going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. We're going a little NBA chatter today, and for that, I brought on none, none other than Joe Sieben. He's been on the podcast quite a lot, uh, a regular on the show. Joe, thanks for coming on today. Appreciate you having me. It's, it's an exciting time you know, to be myself and be from Minnesota, and right now we're foes, William and I, because I'm Minnesota, and he's Memphis, so we got quite the series going on. Yes, sir. We've been uh, beefing over the past since Saturday. Um, Obviously, this Grizzlies Timberwolves series has been kind of the series that has been getting a lot of buzz nationally. Like seems to be one. I would say the second most interesting first round series behind Brooklyn and Boston and just a lot of young talent in this series. And, you know, Minnesota stole that game one in Memphis. you know, I, I respected you for not overreacting too much. You know, you didn't rub it in. I was down. I was nervous heading into game two. And then last night, you know, the Grizzlies win by 28 points. Um, I think the main adjustment was the fact that Steven Adams only played two minutes versus he played 20 something in, in the, in, in game one. And we saw guys like Tillman and Clark play huge minutes off the bench as the Grizzlies kind of went small to counteract Carl uh, Anthony Towns, who, had just an awful game. I'm curious from a Minnesota perspective, like what's the in, in Minnesota and just as a whole, like what's the Timberwolves fan perspective of cat? Like, is he beloved? Is he, cause nationally he's very polarizing. You could say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love cat. I mean, cat's been so good for, I mean, it, it's hard because everyone was, you know, going at Minnesota because I celebrated the plan win. And it's, <laughs> it's like, hey, everyone's like, act like you've been there before. And it's like, they haven't. They yeah. we haven't been here before. So um, to start with that, it's like we're, we were they were excited to make the playoffs. They had a great win. They had momentum. Like they rode that into game one, which I loved. Like Ant played awesome. I thought the whole team was 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 playing well. We we needed a good start. That like we needed to at least get one down in Memphis. So I thought game one was big for us. But in terms of cat. I think it was one of those things of he's a superstar, but for, you know, the first time or ever many years he's been in the league, we couldn't get the, to the playoffs. Like he couldn't carry the team or the franchise. Like he couldn't be like the all out all around number one. And so I think people knew that, but we didn't really have another option. You know, we traded for D and they were meshing great. We still needed more. Mm-hmm. And Ant is that dude, like Ant has that confidence and like, he just takes everything over. He's afraid of nobody. He's, you know, he's already going off in his second year. I think he's a step, he's going to be a step above Cat. So I think Cat just needed a little bit of weight off his shoulders. And, you know, now he's in the primetime spotlight in the playoffs and all the announcers are going at him, this and that. Everyone's got takes, but everybody loves him. I mean, he's been there for so long, he's stuck it out and hopefully he continues to stay there and we can build with this young core here. I think from a Grizzlies fan perspective, he is, he's a very hateable guy. You know, he, he, he bitches at every single call. He like, does. He does like complain. A little if bit about you ask Carl Anthony Towns, how many fouls he's committed in his career, he would say zero because he contests every call to the, to the nth degree. It's ridiculous. Um, but he was great in game one. Like I I'll give it to him. He absolutely, Steven Adams simply can't guard him one-on-one, which is why we brought in, more athletic big men off the bench, like Tillman and Clark, who I thought Clark had a really good game one. 
Um, and Tillman was the guy that kind of filled that role in game two, 13 points, six of seven uh, field goals. And he's got some sneaky bounce, completely neutralized cat. He had, Cat had so many stupid fouls early. I think he picked up his fourth foul with like six minutes left in the third quarter. Um, he only had a 15 and 15 and 11, uh, five turnovers, like finished with five fouls as well. He was bad. Um, I predicted an, you know, an Ant-Man cooling off in game two, you know, only seven of 16 shooting. He did go four of 10 from three. So like he, 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 he had some moments in the third quarter where he, he was trying to will the wolves back into the game, even though it was over, mm-hmm. but he's the kind of guy that makes me very, very nervous as, as a Grizzlies fan, because I know he's going to have a big game in game three or four in Minnesota feeding off that home crowd energy. I mean, he fed off the, uh, the, the, the FedEx form crowd. You know, did you see that quote he had, how he said he loves the crowd? The kids kids were the worst. (laughs) Yeah. He said he loves how the kids talk shit, like 10 year old kids just talking noise to him. He said he feeds off that. So I can't imagine how he's going to come out in game three or four uh, in Minnesota, which is why I don't think this series is over in any means. It's one, one, you know, you still got to win three more games. It's hard to win playoff games. It is. And I think Chris Finch is a great coach. He's going to make adjustments. You know, he's not just going to let the Grizzlies going small. Like I, he, he's not going to let that just beat them because the, the Wolves have right. too much talent. I expect, I fully expect Debo or not Debo Samuel, um, who well, I just actually, yeah, we just got a notification saying Debo Samuel uh, demanded a trade basically out of San Francisco. So uh, that's some big. Like every news. time I come on, there's some breaking news that comes out, like right when we start recording. It's like, I don't know where Debo Samuel wants out. So yeah, quite literally when we were doing that, Harbaugh, we were, had a whole Harbaugh thing planned out. And then Harbaugh said he's staying in Michigan. And now, yeah, Debo leaving San Francisco, I guess. I guess he's sick and tired of Jimmy G. Maybe they're sticking with Jimmy G next year. I don't know, but I would say San Francisco is a pretty good football situation right now. They're one of the top teams in the NFC, like tons of talent. I, I don't know how many other good places are there for him I mean, in the league. They're willing to give him quite the contract. I, I guess he's, you know, concerned about how they use him, but I mean, I think he gets the ball in all sorts of different ways. So who knows? I mean, that's a guy I'd want on my team. So it's a matter of what you got to give up to get him. I'd love to see the Vikings. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, I fully expect D D'Angelo Russell, who's been just non-existent in the first hey, two games. Hey, how about that? You see that that three he made though, where he's trying oh, to drop the foul. That that's D dude. He gets like the one sick basket, and he's like, nah, I'm good for the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> like we that game started out with like it was like eight fouls in three minutes. It was horrible. It was a ref show. And then, yeah, D'Lo hits that shot, and you guys go up, and I'm like, oh, God, are we going to have one of these games again where basically everything went right for Minnesota on Saturday? Um, but I guess that wasn't the case. Yeah, I, I think from my side of things, I think they, they go back to Minnesota. It's going to be rocking. I, my prediction is we, we split three and four. So we, yeah. we take one of them, you take the other. I think the swing games, game five, whoever wins that, I think is going to get hot and take five and six. So, like you said, I think Ant-Man at home is going to have, you know, one game where he goes off. We need D'Lo, Malik Beasley, these guys to really be solid contributing with him, with Cat. Like, it can't just be on them. So, we've got a lot of talent. Just as, you know, Taylor Jenkins made adjustments for game two, I think Finch will do the same for game three. And I think it's going to be a battle, man. I, I love this series. I think it's great for our two franchises, smaller markets, not a lot of success recently to, to kind of be this primetime series two versus seven like everyone's talking about it. i i just love that you know there's a lot of eyes on this series and these young guys yeah and one last question after game one you know 
Ant-Man had 36 points, 12 of 13 shooting, four of, 11, 4 of 11 from three. There was a lot of hype nationally comparing him, saying he's got, you know, Kobe's offensive game with LeBron's body, which, you know, is fair enough. Like, he does have a football player's body, um, and he has just a swagger and confidence about him, like kind of like Kobe did. Do you – like, what do you think the ceiling is for Ant-Man? Is it – could he – like, because it's still way up in the air. It's so early, but – could he be like a generational talent type guy or is he just going to be, I don't know, another solid guard in the league, but nothing like long-term hall of fame career type. I don't know. I I think he'll have quite the career long-term the way I'd put it is, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy to already be comparing people to like LeBron and Kobe. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I mean, those are like generational talents. I don't know if he's that level, but in terms of Minnesota sports and specifically Timberwolves basketball, that's who he will be to us because we haven't had anybody like that. I mean, Cat, I guess, but we haven't made the playoffs really. I mean, since KG and then KG won it out. So if this guy stays with us and we get playoffs, we get success, we, we get a conference final, we maybe make the actual finals. Like if, and if we won one, it's like, I mean, that that's everything to us just because there isn't success. So I think for him, the bar is a little bit, you know, I guess in a sense, lower being in Minnesota. And I think he'll pass all these different accolades and, and milestones and accomplishments if he just stays with us and builds with this team. It is crazy to already be saying, you know, he's a, he's a Kobe or, or a LeBron, but he does have that Kobe mentality of he's not afraid. He doesn't care how old he is, who he's playing, what city, what the fans are saying. Like, he's like, let's go out. Like, let's do this. And I, I think, too, an underrated piece of the team is the Patrick Beverly signing and extension like he just brings like that that grit like just that mentality of let's do this like let's get after it like we're not afraid of anybody i don't care what our record is our seat is like we got the team to do it and the the leadership aspect he's been in the league as much as as much as i you know as much of an irritant as he is and i'm sure you hated him when he was on the clippers right but when he's on your team you love and you have a guy of hate him on a different team love him on yours yeah and he he brought that playoff experience you know he's been in the playoffs every single year of his career like he's that's what minnesota needed you mix him with that young confidence that ant has and yeah you guys which we've talked about all season when you've come on is there's finally hope in minnesota like right. the is right do you would you say ants the biggest sports star in, in minneapolis right now i mean hockey kareel caprizov yeah. he's, he's pretty big and the, yeah he's huge he just set the record for most goals and points in a season ever by wild players. So he's biggest on that team, but ants, I mean, bringing basketball also Minnesota was like weirdly a high school, like hotbed for basketball prospects. So that's pretty cool that the Timberwolves are finally good. Um, and then obviously football being the biggest sport, you got like Jay Jettas and, and those guys. And then, I mean, twins, it's hard, but like Korea was a cool signing. He's new. But Ant, Ant is, is revolutionizing the Timberwolves because he's like frontlining us in the media and getting so much attention. So he's, he's huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say um, that the Korea probably won't, won't get there. Isn't I, isn't Chet from Chet Holmgren from Minnesota? Yeah. yeah, Chet's from Minnesota. There was a couple, there was a guy in Baylor from Minnesota. Um, And then Jalen Suggs and Chet went to the same high school, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Like random people like David Roddy and CSU this year, like who was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Like, dude, like randomly a lot of kids. Got to respect it. It's a sports town all day.
All day, baby. <laughs> All right, next series up. We got we're gonna start in the west and then go into the east. Uh, last night, freaking the New Orleans Pelicans win in Phoenix 125-114. Obviously, what Scott Foster. Oh, Chris yeah. Paul has never won when Scott Foster is the referee. Yeah. And, you know, what is that, up with that? That's my thing is like every single person in the national media, like Bill Simmons, Rosillo, ESPN. I listen a lot to Bill Simmons and Rosillo and the Ringer. I think they make great NBA content. Like they're all basically saying it's a wash. Phoenix is making the finals. They're like minus odds on FanDuel to win the West, blah, blah, blah. They're not even like looking at, like not trying to think of any ways that they could lose aside from an injury, which unfortunately has already happened with D books hamstring. We're not sure the status on that, but we also forget that Chris Paul is kind of like a cursed player Mm -hmm. every single season when it felt like he's going to make the finals. it, it, It didn't, obviously they made it last year, but like in Houston, that injury, uh, James Harden issues, like, I don't know. Is it a lock? Uh, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, Scott Foster, dude can't win when he's refereeing his games. Um, and then last night, Devin Booker goes down, but I honestly feel like New Orleans could have won that game. Even if Booker stayed in, you know, he had 31 points in the first half and he hit that crazy three at the buzzer to go up by five at halftime. But like, that's the point. He scored 31 points in the first half and they were only up by five at half. My, my question for you is, do you think New Orleans can, win another game in this series period if Devin Booker's out or even if he comes back. Right. Did you do a small little plug here for any of the listeners that, that listened to the one thing last time I was on where we did the, the bright future uh, NBA teams. Uh-huh. I took the Pelicans dude. Cause this is sneaky, a good roster. And yep. you don't know if you get Zion back, like they, they could really be something next year. But what I would, what I would say is if D book comes back, I don't know that I see the Pelicans winning another game, but if he's out, man, they the Suns could be in trouble. Like you saw B.I. go off last night. C.J. McCollum's fitting in nicely down there. I, I mean, they're not anybody to put down lightly. They're, they came in hot with the pay, playing game win. Um, I, I mean, there's got to be a little bit uneasy. And the thing is, too, it's there's no pressure on the Pelicans. Nobody expects them to win. All the pressures on the Suns is the best team, the favorite. And it's on Chris Paul, dude. He's just never gotten it done. So there's there's that aspect too. If if D if D book doesn't come back, man, I'd I'd be starting to get worried down in the desert. And I, I I love Chris Paul. I think he's the top five point guard of all time. He just doesn't have that, you know, that championship to kind of like get him over the hill and yeah, solidify and, that legacy. And, and the legacy wise, you know, as much as we don't want to say it, not winning a championship is it's a huge stain on your legacy. Like Charles Barkley. For as great as he was, you know, he's a top 15 guy of all time. He doesn't have that championship, and that's always going to be something that's held against him. Right. Which is why I kind of want Chris Paul to finally get one. Um, of course, I, you know, want the Grizzlies to win this year. But if if the Grizzlies aren't to win, I would love to see Phoenix win. Um, but, yeah, I would say I'm a little nervous for Phoenix with this injury to Devin Booker. I still think they're going to win the series. The Pelicans I, I are- think they win the series even if he's out, but I, I there would be some nerves there. Yes. And I would say, you know, the Pelicans are, they are 10 games under 500, mostly because they don't play any defense at all. You know, the only defensive player they have is Herb Jones, who by the way is just an elite defensive as as a 
He's going to be, he was just like a second round pick. He's going to be making all defensive team as a rookie. He's their only defender. Like, but I will say, I love the CJ McCollum trade they made at the deadline. He's been outstanding for him. He always kills the Grizzlies. 23 points from him last night. Brandon Ingram, 37 last night, 13 of 21 shooting, three of three from three. Like, he's kind of a quiet guy. He tends to fly under the radar. But like you said, you hit on the key point. Like, this team is good, they have talent. And, that's outside of Zion Williamson. And, you know, I'm, the Zion conversation is very tiring. We don't need to have it. But, yeah, like when he comes back, sure, this team's good. But even without him, this team's good. So I wouldn't be stunned if, like, game three or game four, Devin Booker's out. Pelicans could steal another one in New Orleans just because they got scores. Now, Yeah. Um, the Suns have a lot of depth and, like, their wings are outstanding. Miles Bridges – uh, can I love Cam Johnson. He's probably my, one of my favorite players in the league had a bad shooting night last night. One of six from three. Um, I think one interesting subplot with the Suns is they do rely on a lot, right? Rely a lot on Jay Crowder. Who's had a quite a down year this season. Uh, two of 11 from him last night. Oh, five from three. What'd you say? Did you see his stat line in game one? Yeah, he was like one, 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 one. <laughs> like one point, one assist, one rebound, one block, yeah. one steal. <laughs> yeah, that's consistency. But he was, a guy, he was a guy that was great for them in the playoffs last year. You know, I remember him uh, playing great against the Lakers in the first round and doing that dance kind of trolling LeBron when I think it was like LeBron was backing down Jay Crowder and the whole Lakers bench was like imitating LeBron, kind of giving Crowder a hard time. And then the Suns took off in that series after that. He was big for them last year, and he he hasn't been great this season. I think that's going to hurt them. Um, but, yeah, it, I still see them winning the series, don't get me wrong. But I don't think they're a lock like some people nationally are saying they are to make it out of the West, which brings us to our Warriors conversation. We can kind of, kind of tie them together. Is like So Phoenix, last night before the Booker injury, they were like minus 150 on DraftKings to make it out of the West. And then after last night, they're now plus 130 to make it out of the West. And Golden State is plus 175. Who And Golden State, by the way, started at like above plus 500. I think they were like plus 600 before the playoffs started to make it just out of the West. Um, so there's been a lot of odds movement over the first two games of these series because we've seen the Warriors just be absolutely electric. It's basically basketball porn when they're – like in full force, like the passing, the shooting, it's beautiful basketball to watch. And I think there's been a resurgence nationally from the NBA media, like that can legitimately see this Warriors team make the finals. Where do you stand? Do you think, do you think the Warriors can, can beat Phoenix? If, if, if they do end up matching up in the Western conference finals. Absolutely. And the reason is Phoenix, Chris Paul, like we just said, they, they haven't solidified it. They've never done it. Like, they're the best team. But guess who's done it, man? This Warriors team, like, they're not always on. They weren't always on. People were hurt this year. But when they're on, dude, wow. Yeah. Wow. And when they're at home at the Chase Center, dude, did you see how frustrated the Nuggets were? I mean, they're yelling at each other. Boogie's getting in, in um, people's faces. Like, it's got to be the most frustrating thing because you just can't stop them when they're on, dude. Like, they're so good. And now Jordan Poole is a contributor and he pretty much took over game one. It's like, dude, they got guys all, you know, him, Clay, Steph, Drummond, guys who can just take over, carry the load. And you're, you're just screwed if they're all playing well together. So 
it's one of those things, man, their experience, if they're on, they don't get hurt. Like that is not a team I want to play. And you're seeing it with Denver. They got the best player in the league in Jokic and you know, they can't even get a win. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you're a Minnesota sports guy, but you live in Denver now. What's the mood in the city? Is it kind of like feeling like it's over? Uh, I mean, three at home tomorrow. I obviously I want, I, I want the Timberwolves, you know, if they end up playing them, but I like, you know, I live in Denver, so I started rooting for the Nuggets a little bit. And they're so good. Jokic is so good. And I had a lot of, you know, faith going into him into the playoffs, but I think it's so hard going down into 2-0 hole. Here, it's like, I, I think Jokic is going to have a big game in three or four, and they're going to get at least get a win here in Denver. But it's tough, dude. You're down 2-0 to the Warriors, and they're, they're clicking so well. It's like, it is a daunting place to come from. I, I think it's one of those seasons where, Jamal Murray hasn't played, MPJ hasn't played, and who knows with his injuries how that's going to go in his career. But if they were back, this series would be different. This team would have been a different seed, I think. And But yeah, just through this year, I think it almost feels like a wasted year. You have the MVP, somebody going off like Jokic, and you just don't have, you know, two of your top guys, and it just sucks, you know, without them. And it'd be a different series and team with them. But at the end of the day, this Warriors team is just too good. Yeah, they're not – necessarily built for the playoffs it really is Jokic and everybody else and I think we saw those frustrations boil over in game two like you mentioned the dysfunction and the the frustration that was clearly visible amongst the Nuggets uh supporting cast even Jokic himself but ultimately I don't they threw him uh, out yeah I, I don't know if Jokic is a foxhole kind of like leader like I don't who is the leader on that team you think it's Jokic I'm, I'm not so sure he doesn't necessarily give me I get on my back follow me I'm leading this team to the promised land vibes he just doesn't give me that yeah I don't know if they have that that clear-cut like dude that does that like yeah. I think when they're all together like they play so well together and you've got Jamal back and and MPJ I don't know if there's like yeah that foxhole like that Pat Bev or like that Ant-Man like I don't, I don't know. One yeah. dude I do love is Bones Highland. I mean, he's just a rookie. He's not the that leader, but I mean, they got some cool guys. I do love Bones Highland. And I think and this is just pure speculation. I don't obviously don't have any sources or anything, but I think like those role guys in Denver have heard all season long how it's Jokic and everybody else. You know, they're hearing in the media because these guys pay attention to this stuff. They're hearing in the media all season long about how bad Jokic's supporting cast is. They're hearing that, you know, if Jokic was, had even higher quality role players, that this team could be a top three seed or whatever. Maybe these guys are just sick and tired of hearing that they, they suck all season long. That's all we've heard is that it's Jokic and the rest of his team sucks. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's part of the reason that they showed so much visible frustration in game two. Just, I don't know. Yeah. And it, as I keep saying, I think there's a piece of like MPJ and, and Jamal Murray. Dude, people were saying they're going to come back in like February and like every week since then it's been like, Oh, they're close. They're, they're not coming back. Like they're not going to come back this year, but it was like, everyone was like, Oh, can you imagine if we get them back and they're playing so well? And it's like, there was that false hope. I think of those guys being close to returning for like two months straight. And it's just, it never came to fruition. I, I, yeah. I, I, at this point, I don't know if there's a, there's really any reason in bringing them back, but back from a Warriors perspective, like, I mean, Michigan, so obviously the, I've known who Jordan Poole is for quite a while, ever since he was at Michigan. Um, Did he hit that sweet shot in March Madness a couple yeah, years ago? he hit that huge buzzer beater against Houston. Yeah. Uh, 
in that crazy March Madness moment. And it was a big thing amongst Michigan fans when he decided to declare for the draft after his second year of college. There was some frustration amongst Michigan fans because we thought he should have stayed for another season. In his sophomore year, he he had a really bad shooting season. Uh, he was shot selection was very, very questionable. Um, and not even the most glass half full optimistic Michigan fan would have expected him to be this good in the NBA. And I'm talking like this guy has superstar potential at this point. I mean, some of these passes this dude is making is freaking reminding me of magic Johnson. Uh, just no look beautiful passes hitting. Also he's draining, you know, every three he takes, it feels like, and just feeding off that crowd energy. And it's so funny because he's such a goofy guy. Uh, you know, he's one of those people that doesn't take life too seriously. He seems to really enjoy life and just, he's always been a goofy guy ever since he was at Michigan, always been kind of like the light of the team. So he's like, a, I love seeing him do well uh, for golden state. And I really think he can be that guy that extends this dynasty for another four to five years. And that's another magic Johnson parallel that I kind of get from Jordan pool is, you know, when magic came into the league in 1980, Kareem was like 32 years old and, you know, he was still great. He was still in his prime, but magic Johnson was undoubtedly able to extend Kareem's career. Another, I know you could say two to three years. And he was, he retired when he was like 41. Whereas I think if he didn't have magic Johnson to help him kind of carry some of the load, he might've had to retire in his late thirties or something, but magic Johnson extended his career. I kind of draw those same parallels with Jordan Poole in the sense that, this guy can facilitate Curry and clay into their older years. If they decide to keep him, you know, a lot of people thought it might've been Wiseman, but we, we just haven't seen Wiseman play basketball. And now Jordan pools come on so strong that I can see, I can very well see this guy extending, you know, Curry's still great, but clay has definitely not been the same clay this year coming off of two seasons out uh, with injuries. I can totally see Jordan pool uh, keeping this Warriors team, this dynasty going. The only problem is, you know, the money flexibility wise, um, they got a lot of money tied up right now, but is he gonna be a free agent? what do you say? Is he going to be a free agent this off season? So he's like eligible for a rookie extension, kind of like Deandre Ayton was last summer where mm-hmm. the Suns decided not to pay him and kind of roll it over. It's going to be like that with pool this off season. They don't need to pay him right now. Um, but he will, when he's up for a contract, he's going to, could be a max guy yeah what 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 pick was he when he declared he was in the 20s he was a late first rounder so you know you know what's funny you're kind of talking about everyone's like oh it's gonna be like Wiseman or kuminga or like moses moody or like oh they should package all these top 10 picks and go get a star it's funny because everyone's like the warriors are ruining their dynasty like they're not getting the best like star player like top prospect to pair with steph and clay in their prime and all of a sudden, the guy in the 20s, Jordan Poole, is that dude that everyone was talking about. It's funny how that works. It seems like uh, it's always the guys that you don't expect. Now, I think Kamiga's been great for them this season. Yeah, he's been good. Moses Moody's been solid, too. But, um, yeah, Wiseman hasn't played a ton. It's one of those things, like, whenever we're talking NBA or like even NFL, dude, it's like every year people are like, dude, this draft isn't deep. Like there's nobody good. Like you can't get any value. And like, then these dudes in the second round come in, they're all stars. And it's like, yep, that's what wins the championship is those picks. Like every every year, every, uh, yeah. It's something that I complain about to my friends all the time where 
national media NBA guys will say, ah, this year's draft, you know, it's really top heavy, blah, blah. And there's always a couple of guys that sprout out from the sec- late first, second round and end up being valuable guys on good teams. Like another example would be a Tyrese Maxey, who's been great for, he's probably been Philly's second best player over James Harden, if we're being honest in the playoffs. So yeah, I mean, you, d- you definitely uh, see that. And ultimately, I think this Warrior series is going to be a sweep. Um, and I, I would love to see a Warriors Golden State Western Conference Finals if, if, if it doesn't have to be the Grizzlies or, you know, the Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. Phoenix Warrior. Wow. Chris Paul. Dude, that's what I'm saying. The pressure on Chris Paul in that series would be crazy. I know. Yep. I would definitely tap in uh, and watch every minute of that series. That'd be a great series. All right. Next, we'll go, we'll go out east um for a little bit i we have this jazz maverick series on here but i don't know we can save that for later or another day you know so we're gonna be doing a lot of nba podcasts throughout the postseason anyways uh net celtics uh game one out just probably the, this is the series of of the first round game one was the game of the playoffs so far tatum hitting that spinning buzzer beater at uh obviously at the buzzer um I guess my question for you regarding this series, I got, it's twofold. One, like opinions on Kyrie's antics with the crowd. And then two, do you think this is an Eastern conference finals series in the first round as in is the winner of this series making it out of the East? Second question. No, I think, I do think, the Heat, I mean, I won't touch too much. The Heat Sixers look good so far. So I do think they, this isn't a lock where everyone's just to get out, but this is an amazing 2 7 first round matchup. Same thing in, you know, Grizzlies Timberwolves. But I mean, because when you have Katie and Kyrie and you're the seven seed, it, it's any given night, man. Like you, you don't know. And that, that game, they were, you know, just Tatum's last second shot to, to winning that. And, you know, on the first question, Kyrie's antics, I mean, it's so interesting because he has that weird relationship with Boston and that's, you know, a bigger issue is just do players owe anything to the franchise and the fans because they do get screwed over a lot in terms of negotiations and stuff. But on the flip side, Kyrie is just such an interesting person. Like you just never really know what you're going to get. So I did think, I mean, like I'm all about like the players do get a lot of shit and like can't back themselves up. And there's so many fans but that's part of the atmosphere. Like that's, that's part of what makes like home court advantage and whatnot. And you don't see like other guys in the league doing this. It was crazy. The video of him just doing the double bird behind the head. Like <laughs> He clearly just does not care in this series. He's like, the cool part dude was he thrived. I mean, he went off. So from a fan perspective of not either of these teams, what a cool series to watch. Like these guys are playing at the top of their level. It's a hostile environment. Like they want to win this so bad like so bad they want to win these games and and same thing with Durant you know he has this back and forth with fans too so I mean it was a a little far that to be just continuously flipping the bird and stuff yeah. all the time but I, I did like there's a little bit of banter and I, I think everybody knew going to the series like you know they don't like him he doesn't like Boston anymore and it's gonna be a heck of a ball game I, I love the I I will say I love it um he's like you said he's feeding off the energy like he, it clearly affected him because he's yeah. flipping the birds, but he went out and scored 39 points and really almost won them the game. Uh, mm-hmm. If it weren't for that last second shot, I think 
this series is like why we love playoff basketball. It's why we watch the NBA. What makes it so special is these intense playoff series where we know every single game is going to might not be close, uh, like as, as close as game one, but it's going to be intense. Uh, these teams clearly do not like each other. Um, and it, yeah, it's just so much fun to watch uh, the highest quality possible basketball that you're going to get in the first round. And like that second question I posed to you, you say Philly and Miami have looked really good. And I would definitely agree with you. I think if, if Boston can get Robert Williams back, which it, it seems like he, uh, yeah. he is going to come back. I mean, this team could very easily come out of the West. They can play so many different or come out of the East. They can play so many different ways, similar to the Grizzlies, which I didn't touch on in that series is, you know, a, a reason that people were hating on the Grizzlies uh, heading into the playoffs is they were saying they're a regular season team because they have 15 guys, but I think that helps them in the playoffs just because we can play so many different ways. Cause we have so many different good players gives us a yeah. lot of versatility. We can beat you small. We can beat, go big and beat you. You know, Steven Adams isn't playing in this first round series, but if we go up against a golden state or a Phoenix where they have eight and uh, we can counteract that with Adams and we can play big too. So um, I like that with the, the Celtics, you know, Robert Williams offers them a lot of defensive versatility Another question I have for you, and we just saw a tweet from Shams Sharania saying that it looks like based on uh, Ben Simmons's progression in his practices this week, he might be back for game four Monday in Boston. My question for you is, does that affect the series in any way? Because this dude hasn't played basketball. He hasn't even played one-on-one yet, but he hasn't played in a competitive basketball game in like almost a, a whole calendar year since we saw him pass up that easy dunk against Atlanta in the um, second round last year. Like, do you think Ben Ben Simmons adds anything to this series? Like, is that is that a significant advantage for Brooklyn? Um, or like, because me personally, I think Robert Williams coming back for Boston is a much bigger advantage than Ben Simmons coming back for Brooklyn. I a thousand percent agree with that. Robert Williams, I mean, crazy great defensive player and part of that team. I'm going to go as far as to say, dude, that might be a disadvantage for Brooklyn. He hasn't played with any of these dudes. Mm-hmm. I think he comes in and he, you know, is going to try to do his thing and like this and that. And who knows if they gel. I, I think he's going to be a huge advantage next year when he has an offseason to, to practice, play and, and know these dudes. But I don't know, man. Like, he hasn't played in so long. He's hurt, all these different injuries. He's never played with these guys. Kyrie hates Boston. He's going to want the ball and do everything. KD wants to, like, I don't know, dude. That's a lot of a lot of things to be meshing and working with all at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, Robert Williams is a way bigger advantage. And I don't know with Ben. Also, it's one of those things, like, with the Nuggets stars, like, do we really think he's going to come back in game four? And then, you know, even if he does, how big of a deal is it going to be? in terms of minutes or restriction and, and all that we'll probably play something around 20 minutes. And like you throw him all of a sudden in, like we were talking about this super, super uber intense series, highest yeah. quality basketball. And you're just going to slap him on a Jason Tatum and say, all right, go guard him for 25 minutes. Like, ah, I don't know, especially coming off a back injury. I, I, I don't know if it's going to be that big of an advantage for the nets. And you know, they almost won game one without him. Like, and they have, I think a big for them, Steph, uh, Seth Curry looked a lot better in game one. He's been hurt. They're banged up. They, don't, they aren't very deep. They basically play nine guys, if that, um, eight, eight man rotation. Like, like K, KD and Kyrie can't have off nights, essentially. 
Unfortunately, that is definitely the case. It's it's though it's right now it's those two guys and everybody else, and it almost carried them to a win in game one. I think my prediction for game two is there's no way Kevin Durant's going to be as bad as he was in game one, nine of 24 shooting one of five from three for 23 points. That's a bad night for Kevin Durant. I fully expect him to be on his game. I don't care what the Celtics defense can throw at him. Um, I, I trust Kevin Durant to make those adjustments. I don't know. And you know, this is another take that I have and Luis, uh, me and Luis have been talking about this is and we should make a group chat with you and Luis so we can just talk sports. I think that would be a good group chat to have, but um like Steve Nash is so beloved in the national media that no one seems to throw any hate his way. But in reality, I don't know if he is the best coach for this team. Um, he, I'll be very interested. I'll just say to see if he makes any adjustments for game two. And I'm not going to go as far as to say, I don't think he's a good coach, but he hasn't proven himself yet. I, I think I'm all I'm, I'm comfortable in saying that, um, but I'm very excited for this game too. Here in, we're recording Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon in like five hours. This game starts. I fully expect Kevin Durant to drop at least 35 points on Boston tonight. Yeah, no, I I think he's going off. Yeah, so, I think I think I I'm 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 taking Brooklyn money line tonight. Brooklyn money line. Okay, let me see. So they're currently three and a half point underdogs plus 140 on the money line. So there's some value there. I, I kind of like that too, actually. I just, I, I think, I mean, I don't think Kyrie's going to have the same type of game. I think he's going to be great. And then KD's going to step it up. And I, think, I just think they get it done tonight. Yeah. I mean, I want to in the series. I'd be worried about Rob Williams coming back and, and how key he'll be to the Celtics. So I, I lean their direction, but you know, I think KD goes off. I want to see, I want to see this game, this series go seven. I want to see seven games of what we saw on Sunday because, man, that, that could be one of the – I mean, I, I have to dive into it, but one of the best first-round series ever if, if this goes seven and they're all as intense and uh, high quality as game one was. I guess quickly we can talk some of the other Eastern Conference series. Uh, we don't have to go too deep. Last night, Jimmy Butler goes pretty nuclear against Atlanta – dropping 45 in game two. They're up two nothing in that series. Quick question. Can Atlanta steal one in Atlanta or is this one, you think it's a sweep or like a. Eh, type Even sweep? if they steal one, man, it's over. Like the heat are winning this series. The Hawks might steal one down in Atlanta and, and, you know, push it to a fifth game or something. But I think it's one of those things, man. Like I think people forgot. The Heat were the number one seed for a reason, man. Like yeah. they're they're on it. They're putting a beat down on the Hawks. Um, but it, I think there is some some truth to the fact that they're not your typical one seed. Where it's like, all right, Phoenix is the favorite to come out of the West. The Heat, it's like I don't know, dude. I might be taking Celtics if the Nets get hot. The Sixers, like they're they're not your typical one seed. But yeah, I think they're just putting a beat down on the Hawks right now. Yeah, the the Hawks struggle from playing abysmal defense. Um, <laughs> No Capella really hurts them. Trey Young hasn't been great. I, I think Sunday when they got beat down was definitely a schedule loss, having to play Friday in the play-in and then fly all the way to Miami Sunday for a game one. That was a schedule loss. But game two, they kept it a little bit closer, but ultimately Miami just had too much firepower. They played way better defense. Bam wasn't even good, uh, and they still won. No Capella really hurts Atlanta. I actually like a Kongu, and the Kings will – regret giving getting rid of Bogdanovich 
until the end of time. It's just a joke of a franchise, in my opinion. Sorry, Kings fans. Um, but yeah, meh, maybe they can steal one if Trey has like a 50 point game, but ultimately I, I see Miami winning this one pretty handedly. Atlanta definitely has a trade in them this off season. They got one too many players. Um, yeah. And I think they got like Collins a or Capella. Yeah. Like a two for one or a three for one type trade, um, get a good player in return. And ultimately a very, very the Hawks probably had the most disappointing season out of anybody made the Eastern conference finals last year. And then there were a play-in team this season, you know, Trey Young. The one quote from this Hawks team that stands out to me is Trey Young earlier in the season saying that they're bored with the regular season. Like, bro, y'all haven't done shit. You made the Eastern Conference Finals. You didn't even – I understand being bored with the regular season if you win the damn finals, if you've been – won a couple finals like the Warriors or LeBron in his case. But you guys made the Eastern Conference Finals and lost like four games to two, dude. Like – and. They they just don't they need a guy like a pat like they don't turn it on every night like they don't have that mentality um like they need a pat bab they need they need a guy that's just gonna grind and like want like Trey want like Trey loves like the back and forth with fans but like he loves that in a prime time sense like he's not like night in night out like that villain character and like that's kind of their team is like oh yeah we're bored of the regular season it's like dude you almost missed the playoffs because yeah. of that. Trey Young is a national TV guy. Is he a Tuesday night in Charlotte type of foxhole guy that just comes in every game? Yeah, like who's the leader on that team? Who's I guess you would say Trey, but they need – yeah, I would agree. They need that second option because I would say Bogdanovich is, right, is that right now, and he doesn't even start. Like I love Bogdanovich, but he's not – a second guy they need a, they need someone that can play some semblance of defense um i think like you said john collins could be on the trading block capella as well we'll see uh that team definitely has a move in them moving forward and then the other eastern conference series that we can touch on briefly we can talk philly um and i think this toronto series is over we can talk philly in the sense of can this team can they make it out of the east because man, they've looked really dominant in this Philadelphia, uh, in this Toronto series and a, a Toronto team that a lot of people were picking as a sleeper upset in the first round. That's going to be the case. It's one of those things like Toronto didn't, wasn't expecting that this year. They did. Everyone hyped them up and now they're kind of like playing how they originally thought people would. Right. Um, great team. Great future ahead of those guys. Chris Finch or not Chris Finch. Um, Nick Nurse. Yeah, Nick Nurse. <laughs> um, great team up there. Finch was a Raptors guy, though, so I – Right, yeah. Pretty good interaction between Nick Nurse and Embiid at the end of that game, too. Yeah, yeah. Which was pretty funny. I think Sixers are hot. They're going to take this series. I think Toronto gets a game or two. Um, they seal away. But I, I think Sixers are looking good. They're, I mean, they're dangerous, man. Max is playing hot. You got Embiid. If Harden can finally turn it on. My thing is, like, I don't trust them. Like, I don't trust Harden, dude, in the playoffs. Like – yeah, who knows if Maxi can keep this hot streak up, and then it's all on Embiid. And I think eventually, I, I think I'm taking the Heat, you know, or Celtics over them. But they, I mean, if they're if they're all on, like who knows, man? I would say Embiid has certainly. This is the first season where he's been healthy the entire year. That body's put up a lot of miles. He takes a beating. I mean, if you saw that game too, in Philadelphia. Uh, Embiid was taking hit after hit. He was on the floor all the time. He takes tough fouls. Like he earns his free throws as 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 much as NBA Twitter hates to it will hate to admit it. 
Dude earns his free throws. He shot 14 in game two. He get, he's getting hacked in there. And I think it, it will take a toll on his body throughout the playoffs. We have not seen him stay healthy for an entire season. We haven't seen him make a deep playoff run. He's never made the finals. Um, it For me, Philly is one of those, I'll believe it when I see it teams. Yep. And James Harden just, man, they, it's not the James Harden that they expected when they traded him, traded for him at the deadline. I think a lot of people thought, oh, he's just mailing it in in Brooklyn and he'll turn it on in Philly. And he did for like the first four games and he hasn't, he's been trapped. He has not been good since. Is he uh, an agent this summer? So they, I don't think he ever took the qualifying offer or whatever that Philadelphia could have offered him. They could have offered him an extension. He's due an extension this offseason. Um, so it's a matter of, does he stay with Philly? I think he will ultimately. I think they will give it to him, but wow. I mean, that's a big commitment, man, because he has not shown, he has not shown that he's the same in time, dude. If it doesn't work out, like this is the big move. It's it's tough for Embiid because he's been so loyal to that franchise. And it's just been a it's been a rotating cast of characters every season. You know, you go from the trust the process to the Jimmy Butler era to the now we had the Ben Simmons and, and Embiid. And then early this season, we had Embiid carrying the team by himself. And now we have Embiid and Harden. Like there's been so many additions of this team. They haven't settled on what works for them. And I don't know if James Harden is going to work for them. Ultimately, I think Maxi is going to be that number two guy on this roster. Um, he's been, he's been great. He's been stroking it four, four from three last game. Um, they're still stuck with that Tobias Harris contract, but he's been solid. I just, I would really look forward to a second round Miami versus Philadelphia series. That would be, that would be exciting. And then you would get Brooklyn, Boston or, uh, or Boston versus Milwaukee or Nets versus Milwaukee, man, the Eastern conference playoffs are freaking exciting this season. They're exciting. So yeah, I, th- I think small, no, we don't have to talk about, it. I think the Bucks are going to run away with that series against the bulls. You think? Yeah. I, I'm not sold on Milwaukee quite yet. DeRozan had such a bad shooting night in game one, and they almost won that game. They almost stole that game. Um, but yeah, ultimately I think, I think Milwaukee wins it in four or five. And I don't know how much the DeRozan bad shooting night meant on game one. I think he'll turn it on, but no Lonzo hurt kills them. Mm-hmm. Russo has been great defensively, but ultimately Milwaukee is just the better team. And I think they'll, they'll get away uh, from Chicago and, It'd be interesting to see if Giannis can cement his legacy. If Giannis wins another title, I mean, shit, this dude's potential. He could be a top 10 guy all time when it's all said and done. You know, he very easily could have won the MVP this year if it weren't for such a great MVP class. Like, we're watching an all-time talent right now. You know, we're very lucky as NBA fans. All the great talent, like Kevin Durant's a top 10 guy of all time. LeBron's still in the league. Uh, and then we got super young stars like Luca, Giannis now, who's cementing his legacy. He's already giant, giant, like all this talent. They'll, for such a long time, I would say in the 2010s, there was this huge question mark around when LeBron retires. Is there going to be like a, lo- a little bit of a lull in the league, like a lack of star talent, kind of like we saw when Michael Jordan retired? You know, the league was down for a few years, but. That is certainly not the case. The league is, is stacked with talent, which is why, and it seems like it's going to happen, the league's going to expand back to Seattle in, and then into Las Vegas. We add two new teams. There's enough talent to where the league won't be super diluted like it was in the 90s with the expansion. 
when they did uh, when they expanded in the '90s. We we have enough talent to field two new teams, and the league will be in good hands. So it's it's a very exciting time, I guess you could say, as an NBA fan. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think back to the Giannis thing. I mean, that title last year is huge. He gets that under the belt. You know, nobody can ever say, "Oh, he never won a title," like the Chris Paul Barkley debate. If he gets any more, it's wow. We're I mean, we're talking one of the all-time greats right there. Then, and I love that he decided to stay in Milwaukee. Yep. Um, we've seen so many stars now seem very committed to their small markets, like Giannis, like a jaw who always is so verbal about how much he loves Memphis. I hope he stays true to that. Uh, Jokic in Denver seems to be happy. You know, I, I wouldn't consider people say Denver's a small market, but Denver's a pretty freaking big city, man. It's yeah, it's, it's get, it's definitely like mid market. I mean, yeah, I'd say mid market. You guys got a lot of I mean, Broncos are one of the best franchises in the NFL. Uh, like you, it's a big, that's a great, I would say that's a mid town, man. Good yeah, sports good town. So um, I guess before we get out any predictions, who's your, who's coming out of both conferences as we sit here talking on April 20th. So I think, let's see here. I'm going to take. Keto win Boston, Milwaukee. Dude, I'm I'm gonna take the Celtics and the Suns. Celtics Suns rematch of the '76 Finals. Okay, um, I so I'm gonna pick Memphis out of the West just because I, until they are eliminated, I'm picking the Grizzlies. I'm gonna stay true. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna be a homer. But I will say, I genuinely do think the Grizzlies can make the finals because the only reason people have said that we can't is because we're young and. What does that have anything to do with anything? We were in the playoffs last year. John Morant um, is, is an alpha dog leader of this team. We have 15 guys that are good, so we can beat you in any different way. So screw it. I'm taking the Grizzlies. Um, listeners, you hate on me all you want. I'm confident in my squad. And then in the wet, in the East, I'm going to say, man, that is tough. I would say ultimately I'm leaning I'm going to lean Boston because they can defend very versatile defenders. And Jason Tatum is that guy. And Jalen Brown is one of the best number two guys in the league. Um, and they have, you know, say what you want. They do have the defensive player of the year and Marcus smart uh, as well. So, yeah, I, I'll say Grizzlies Celtics as, a, as we speak here. Now that's subject to change. Um, it's been a very exciting playoffs uh, so far. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but that's my pick right now. Any other thing, anything we talked a little bit, Debo, um, you do have this note, T Swift and Drake rumored banger coming out soon. I don't that, know. Yeah, man. Apparently, apparently there might be a little bit, a little bit of a collab with the swizzle beats <laughs> and, and Drake on the mic. So um, who sees, you know, who knows if it's going to happen. We were kind of talking before we started recording. Totally going to be one of those songs where it just gets so much hype, like a Jack Harlow song. Yeah, I think it'll be awesome. I love Taylor Swift, so I'm going to love it no matter what. But that'd be a, a pretty cool and interesting collab. Um, and then another note, your Fulham FC back in the prep. Yeah, yeah I'm rocking a, a Fulham um, soccer shirt here, football shirt. And they just went... <laughs> I think it's five or six years. William and I were studying abroad in London for the listeners, which was what was that like 2016, 2017? I was no, 18, 2018. 2017, 2018. No, 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 it was fall of 2018. So 18. Fall of 2018. 
Fulham was in the Premier League, first team I ever saw, automatically my favorite team ever. Got relegated that year, back up to the Premier League, relegated again. And I think this year they're back up. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's it's back and forth, but they just dominate the championship. So um they got that get they got moved back up for sure officially um yesterday. So the cottagers are back, baby. Hey, it's a sick stadium, I will say. It's super cool, super cool. And they're very popular amongst Americans because they had Clint Dempsey. I think they're owned by they're owned by I think they have American owners. I, I could be wrong on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, hey, will they be able to stay up? We'll see. Uh but yeah, that's exciting. Anything else you got or? Um, small note tidbit. I mean, obviously our favorite series is, is Grizzlies, Timberwolves. So just some funny interactions, dude, between Jaws dad and, and Cat's dad. Yeah. Also, I saw a photo from game one. I straight up thought Jaws dad was Usher. Yeah, I know. He looks, he looks like just like Usher. Yeah. Did you see in game two last night they had uh... the sideline reporter? The sideline reporter was interviewing Cat's dad and Jaws dad uh, during like the second quarter. They were going at it. It was pretty funny. It's cool, dude. I, I think that's pretty fun because they're not like malicious. They're just, and no. I think that's so cool. I think it's just goes to the point of like our franchises just don't get a lot of love and like national spotlight. So it's just cool that like there's hype on the players, the teams, the fans. Like it's just cool, man. I'm excited. It's a great series. I'm glad it's competitive. I know. And let's hope they, None of the rest of the series games are on freaking NBA TV. We deserve that TNT ESPN spotlight. I hope that get that away from the Jazz and the Mavs, dude. Yeah. Give it to us. Yeah, the Jazz and the Mavs need to be on Discovery Plus for the rest of the series. And we're not even talking about them on the podcast. And yeah, we didn't even talk about them. Um, we will next. Don't worry. But I, I, throw Hawks Heat on NBA TV. That series is over. Throw Philly Toronto. Yeah. Those series are over. Give the people what they want. Yeah, everyone wants to see the young talent. So yeah. Uh, Great podcast. Thanks for coming on. We'll come back uh, next week sometime. I think there's game tomorrow night and then game Saturday night, 10 o'clock Eastern, which is preposterous. It's not, we're not West Coast teams, man. We're really, the Grizzlies should be in the Eastern Conference and the Timberwolves are right there too. So 10 o'clock Eastern time is absurd, but it is a Saturday night. So whatever. Um, but yeah, Joe, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll, we'll have you back on throughout the playoffs um, as this series develops. Um, yeah. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. Good time to be a sports fan. As I always say, it's always a good time to be a sports fan, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening to this podcast and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace out.